Hebrews 13, 1-3. Let love of the brothers and sisters continue. Do not neglect hospitality to, to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are badly treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Before I begin, I'd like to make a few comments about our General Assembly. If you are an official member of GCF Naga, and you are a member in good standing, which means for the last six months you've been attending, if not attending physically because we are not allowed, at least through some growth group. To those who are members, we hope you could be present because aside from the nomination of elders, you need to confirm them. The Constitution states that the senior pastor will nominate but it doesn't mean if I nominate that this person will be an elder. The congregation can say no. Based on scripture, for example, he must be faithful to his family and he must manage his own household well. If, to your knowledge, you have a verified knowledge that he is compromising his Himself, for example, in an illicit affair, you have the right to let us know and we can investigate if it is true. And such is how we conduct things here. Next Sunday, our General Assembly, I nominate the following, so please listen carefully. Three-year term of Elder Mani is finished. I will nominate him again. So, Elder Manny Vender, please pray if you will confirm him. Doy Santo Domingo, our elder, is nominated once again. And third, a new nomination, Brother Beethoven or Ben Olaez Jr. is nominated. If you are an official member, and uh, please pray if you will confirm them or not. If not, we would like a reason which will be written. Aside from that, we have a consultation. We will consult the membership upon a very important issue. In our church government, we nominate the elders, and if they are confirmed, the elders make decisions for the household as one body. No elder can decide by himself. Each elder is submitted to the eldership as the senior pastor is submitted to the eldership. If anybody decides by himself, he is not authorized to do that. We, the eldership, empowers the senior pastor and the administrator for certain functions. But there are issues that we feel is beyond the board of elders because the whole church will be affected severely either wonderfully or negatively. Like, for example, when our finances were, wasn't that big, we're still not that big, but we had to make a major decision because it's beyond one million pesos. So we had to consult the congregation about what vehicle to use. And many of the growth groups have been able to use this vehicle for the glory of God. We have another thing that we will consult with you and we would want you 
to write it down. I will circulate something within the week and you can prepare. If you have a position paper about it, you can request me for a three-minute speech if you want to. But it is an important thing that the congregation be consulted with a very special matter. The board has an unofficial position which we will not mention yet because we want the congregation to speak. Yet, as the board elevates it to the congregation, it will be the congregation now who will decide and not the board. So we need 50 members, official members, in good standing. Um, and please be here. Bring a little something to eat should you get hungry in case there is a brother or, sis or sister who would like to speak very long. Eat something and drink something for your own health. God is good. I'd like to pray once again. I think uh, the mother of our administrator, uh, Sister Deeding, uh, was hospitalized. And let us just pray. It's a mild stroke, I heard, but I'm not sure of the more details. But let us pause and pray. Lord, we pray for your healing touch upon her. Thy will be done. Let your grace abound. And we pray healing upon healing. We pray that... Uh, she would recover quickly by your grace. Thank you that it is not worse than it is. And we praise you and honor you. And thank you for your steadfastness. Or thank you for the faith that you have put upon the family to trust in you with all their hearts. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 13, 1-3. After a long journey with you of discussing since chapter 1. The author made sure he began with who Christ is, that he is superior, that he is better than the angels, that he is superior to Judaism, that he, is, he sits at the right hand of the Father, the highest authority, and uh, he is the perfect sacrifice, and He is our high priest forever, again, superior to Aaron. Then He mentions about faith, that the Old Testament heroes lived by faith, and they pleased God through faith. He emphasized that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he proved that by telling the stories of Old Testament heroes who lived by faith. He was making the emphasis, it's not by the rituals of the law. It's not about the ceremonies of the law. It's not even about the morality of the law. It is first about faith in the finished work of Christ, that he is the perfect sacrifice that we need Him for us to be saved, that our own morality cannot save us. Morality is a, a result of faith in Christ. If you try to be moral without faith in Christ, without the grace of God, you'll find it impossible. Impossible because the natural tendency of man is to sin is to hate, is to be angry, 
is to be sexually immoral. The inclination is there. However, if in Christ somehow the grace abounds, and we know that it begins by having faith in Him, and if you truly have faith in Him, you will be led to repent of your sins. After establishing that and then warning them, encouraging them in Christ and warning them and saying that do not neglect one another as you have been helping one another, then he moves to more practical, wise advice for the different church, Jewish church communities that, was, that were receiving his letter. The author explained that in the future, God would shake the heavens and the earth most terrifyingly. The author warned the readers of the letter to listen to Christ who warns from heaven. On the other hand, the author encouraged the Jewish believers who were the recipients of the letter. Warning, encouragement. The believers received an unshakable kingdom in Christ. God will shake everything shakable. The earth, the cosmos, the suns, the stars. But God will not shake those in Christ through faith and repentance because they belong to an unshakable kingdom. The author then gave final instructions to the Jewish communities. And during that time, the churches met in homes because they could not really gather publicly a large group. There were certain places that that, that, that was able to happen, but they usually met in smaller groups. Thus, we also believe in practicing that. The first point I'd like to share is brotherly love. The author instructed the Jewish believers to continue brotherly love, which was consistent with the instruction not to neglect the meeting of one another to encourage one another. If you remember that it is in Hebrews 10.25 that the author advised them, instructed them, do not neglect, do not forget the meeting with one another. Let's read verse 1. Let love of the brothers and sisters continue. Well, it was in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where love somehow was given a clear description. But this is not 1 Corinthians, although we can refer to it. But the love being mentioned here, it's more of the encouragement of one another and sympathizing to those who are suffering in Christ. That is more of the definition within the context of Hebrews. But of course, we don't have to neglect chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, which says love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, love is not arrogant, Love uh, does not keep a record of wrong, etc., etc. So one way to express brotherly love, as the author instructed, was to meet together in his name. Take note, you can meet together, but not in his name. 
you can meet together for the sake of doing fun things. But to meet together in His name where we can discuss the Holy Scriptures and encourage one another in the faith. That was consistent with His instructions. To meet so we can encourage. Well, one way to encourage one another is actually to pray for one another. And some of us think uh, prayer is not that important until you become desperate in life. Then suddenly you want everybody's prayer. Um, prayer is important. In fact, Paul always encouraged to pray for others. Somehow there is something different with people praying for you than you praying for yourself. And there's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. It just seems different. And I do believe there is power when others pray for you. That's why Paul would said, I covet your prayers. I want your prayers. And that's Paul the Apostle. I believe he was such a prayerful person, yet he says, I need your prayers. That's why in the meeting together in his name, it is good that we learn to pray for one another but those people then were encouraged to meet so that they fanned the flames of faith, that they would not fall away. That's the context, that they would not fall away. That they may encourage one another because when there is persecution, when there is discrimination, sometimes you feel sad and even depressed and lonely. But if you can meet together to encourage one another, somehow you find the strength to move on. Let brotherly love continue. Next thing he mentioned was hospitality to strangers. The author instructed the Jewish believers then not to neglect hospitality to strangers, such as visiting believers. And usually that's what happened then. They visit one another from town to town, from city to city, especially apostles and their team, their teams they would be visiting. And he said, show hospitality to, the, to the, those who would visit. But it could be not just the apostles, but also Christians who were persecuted, who had to flee move to another town or city because in their locality they are suffering or they are being persecuted. And he encouraged them by saying that some of you have entertained angels. Well, strangers who were angels. And uh, if you think about that, you could remember what happened with, with Abraham when he welcomed the three men on their way to pass judgment on Sodom, and as he entertained the three men, he realized they were not men, but they were celestial beings sent by God who brought the message of God to them and actually mentioned about Sarah being pregnant. Verse 2, let's read. Chapter 13, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, 
for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Persecuted believers migrated to other locations. One example was the diaspora in Jerusalem. If you remember, Saul of Tarsus persecuted. Well, he gave the approval to stone Stephen to death. And after that, a great persecution arose. You'll find that in Acts chapter 8. And the believers were scattered. Now, God has a purpose for that. When the believers were scattered because of persecution, the word of God spread everywhere. Many believe that the church in Antioch and even in Rome, perhaps, were, were, were the Jewish believers, believers who were scattered from Jerusalem. So, if ever there's somebody persecuted, because that's the context of this, somebody persecuted, let us show hospitality. That is what the author was saying. Therefore, believers should show kindness. And I think Filipinos are very good in being hospitable. In fact, if you don't have the capacity to be hospitable, you don't want anybody to visit your home. <laughs> Please don't. Because if somebody's visiting your home, we feel the obligation to offer something to eat. Not all cultures are like that. Not all cultures in the world are like that. And if a friend seems to be staying so long, like a friend of your son and your daughter, and you're preparing for lunch, now you have to think of lunch for them as well. Not all cultures are like that. In fact, in some places, they're going to say, hey guys, we're going to eat now. That doesn't mean they can eat there. It means go away because we're going to have lunch. But here we don't do that. That's rude. In fact, what we will do, we will find a way. Hospitality. Well, in today's world, as you've heard, as you watch the news, the Taliban has taken over Afghanistan. Before, the persecution of Christians were on, on the peripherals. Now, it might be brought back to the center. There were many who have become believers there, from Muslims to believers. Now, the Taliban would like to impose Sharia law. Many believers decided to stay. So now there is a call for prayer. But they're not the only ones suffering around the world. They're the believers in Pakistan, in parts of India, and other places, North Korea. The next point is remember the persecuted. The author instructed Jewish believers to remember those in prison and those mistreated, persecuted for their faith. The reason of the author was that they belong to the same body of Christ. Verse 3, remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. And those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in 
the body, again, the body of Christ. So remember the prisoners as if imprisoned with them. And they were imprisoned because of their faith. Again, that is the context. You'll find in the latter part of chapter 10 of Hebrews in verses 32, I mean 22 to 24, you'll find there that there is a part there where, where they said, you, the author commending them that you have helped them even to the loss of your own property. It's just saying that continue to remember those who suffer in the faith. The recipients of the letter experienced suffering for their faith. They knew it. They showed sympathy before. The author was simply saying, please continue it. It was an encouragement of something they have done before. There's something about persecution. You get to know the real believers. Yeah, some people will just uh, give up their faith and deny Christ publicly, commit apostasy uh, just to live or to survive. Yet the true believers would be willing to suffer for their faith, not denying the Lord because they fear God. Because Jesus himself said, he who denies me before men, I will deny before my Father. That is in Scripture, by the way, and that is consistent in Hebrews. Now, the mo modern preachers have painted a Jesus that is weak and that does not give warning. Now, Jesus is, well, he's divine, he's strong. He faced the cross. He could have gotten out of it. He did not. He faced the cross for our sake. Do not deny him before men, for he will deny you before his Father. And others don't preach it. It's in the Bible, brothers and sisters. Application. Let us build godly relationships through our growth groups or our small groups. Let us continue to meet together and express brotherly love in his name. Take note, brotherly love. The word here is Philadelphia, brotherly love, okay? It didn't say continue to meet together and express erotic love in his name. No, brotherly love. We are a family. We should treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should continuously meet through house churches and small groups like the early church in our context. You know, in a church with 40 members, just 40 people, it seems possible to build relationships with everybody. But a local church that goes beyond 40, that reaches 100, 200, and before the pandemic, we were hitting 400. In our membership, it's more than 600, but the others have gone abroad or work in Manila or elsewhere. So how do you build this? And those who started the small churches said, 
I remember the good old days when we all knew each other. And that's true. However, we have to adapt to change. If you look at the New Testament, uh, there were several thousands that believed Peter's message in Acts chapter 2. And it's also in Acts chapter 2 that it's said that they met from house to house. They met in smaller groups. Because how can we express our brotherly love to most people here that you do not know? The best is to join a small group or start a small group, connect with us, because all small group must be connected. It means I am discipling a core group. My core group starts groups. And uh, these groups start groups. It's all connected. So we know, that's how we know that everyone's okay. Or if somebody's not okay, what happens is the small group take care of themselves first express brotherly love. If the problem is great and, and the growth group leader cannot handle it, then he calls on the one who is discipling him as well and talks about how they, now it's two groups helping this person. But if the problem is so severe, it has to reach me. That's how we take care of everybody. We are not like the many churches who think the pastor takes care of everybody. That's why the pastor there usually has no time to feed his family. He has no time to work to feed his family. And uh, number two, he disappoints many people because if there's a hundred people, he cannot visit everybody. He can only visit like, maybe 30 one family per day, or even 60, two families a day, and then his wife will complain, why are you not home? Then his marriage suffers, and his children suffer. That's the old model of ministry. We prefer the model that we develop shepherds to do the work of the ministry. That's why we all do it. So be part of a small group, that's where you can express brotherly love and receive brotherly love. So there are people we keep, you know, I keep assigning, I tell people, doc, bro, can you take care of that person? Can you take care of that person? And they diligently try to do it and uh, Suddenly, these people would attend, and then uh, they become so busy, and they forget the meeting. And later on, I would hear a complaint. Why nobody's reaching out? You were invited. You're the one who abandoned the group, and now you complain? We reach out through these groups so that we can shepherd one another. We can take care of one another. Don't think the group is just for the sake of studying the Bible. No, we have responded to some very difficult problems. Sometimes it's hospital bills. Sometimes it's other things. Sometimes it's marital problems, and we try to keep those private. Maybe right now you don't have too much problem, but then suddenly you have a problem, then you come needing. So I tell you, brothers, do not be selfish. Some are so selfish 
They look for the church when they need something, but they do not contribute to the body. Brothers, continue the brotherly love, meaning don't think only as the one receiving it. Think also of the person giving it. Now, for some of you who lead others, you will realize that you keep giving and some of them don't give back. Trust in the Lord. It is the Lord who sees what you do, who sees your heart, and it is the Lord who shall reward you. But if you're having a hard time, you talk to somebody. And that somebody that you're connected to knows somebody. And we all help one another here. Now we spread. We spread the responsibility, making it easier to solve many, many problems. Welcome visitors in his name. Let us welcome visitors from different places, especially persecuted believers who need hospitality. Of course, we, we are not experiencing that today because persecution is not so much in the Philippines. We are persecuted but very light. It's not the type that somebody killed a member of the family because of our faith or tortured us because of our faith. But if ever that happens, we must be prepared because that is God's will for the body of Christ. We may also welcome the unchurched. Now, I'm just pushing it a bit in our application, although the context was talking about those within the body. But allow me to push it a little bit, a little bit the application, by welcoming the unchurched into your home, eating, having coffee, or giving a little bit to help. Sometimes the help is not always material. Sometimes it is emotional. It's when we open to bless others that the Lord begins to use us. So, well, of course the Lord can use you in prayer, but in really connecting with the gospel, it is important to welcome others into our own homes. If persecuted refugees arrive, we must show hospitality in the name of Christ. By doing so, we might entertain angels without knowing it. Well, <laughs> the author gave a little motivation. You might entertain angels. Okay, so now if somebody visits you from the church, they're not angels, they're a brother or sister. But sometimes you can loosely say, oh, you're like an angel <laughs> for just visiting us. We are so happy. You're like an angel. Uh, so if you're going to visit people, please fix your hair and your face. Please look like an angel because they might be disappointed. He has a nice heart, but a demon look. Uh, <laughs> so fix your hair and... Uh, Wear some nice clothes. Don't act like, if you can, if you, God has provided well for you, do not act like kawawa ka naman. Please don't engage in self-pity. It will drag your mind to the depths of despair. You act like God provides all the time. I have terrible problems. If it takes all that I possess, it's fine. I trust in God. He will lead me. 
You see, the Holy Spirit is bringing you to that state. He wants all of us to in that state of heart where nothing is more important than the Lord. So before He does something to you to make you experience that, bring your heart there already. So you are prepared to go through the trials of life that the Lord has set. Well, again, you might entertain angels unaware. And lastly, bless the persecuted. Uh, Again, there is little persecution in our country, but there are some of us who suffer for our faith, sometimes in the home. And I remember in in college when we proclaimed the gospel and challenged people to give their lives to Him completely, they went home reading the Bible. And then the family was disturbed. They don't like that. They wanted her to still pray with them to saints, but she would not agree. There was persecution in the home. The father tore the Bible and arrogantly say, I feed you. Now you want that Bible? Eat it. She picked the paper and ate it. We heard that. That wasn't happening in Quezon City. We were in Los Banos. We got in one car. We went there to show the parents we are decent people here. But then we said to the young lady, if they make you suffer, we have a place for you to stay. We were prepared for that. With the meager tights or giving from the students, we were able to rent a few rooms. First, it was just two rooms, and it became five rooms, apartment. And we housed the persecuted believers there. It still happens here. Bless the persecuted. Now, Upon studying this message, I felt convicted by the Lord for one negligence that once upon a time I was faithful in doing, but I am not as faithful now. I always prayed for the persecuted church or for believers worldwide, even though if I don't know them. I have this book, a book of tribes, and what missionary activities we had there. It was always part of our prayer meeting. And somehow when I was studying this and I was watching the news, and then there was a call for believers to pray for the persecuted church in Afghanistan, and I thought, I have neglected this. And through the study of Scripture, I was reminded, therefore, I will institute this here through our prayers, through our dawn prayers and Sunday services that we must always include the suffering church globally, wherever they are. And if we know, well, in the mission circle, we cannot know the names of those underground 
especially in the Muslim world. We cannot identify them, but we pray for them. Some are so deep, nobody knows. It's an underground church. But others who find out persecute and kill and even burn them at the stake or hang them publicly. We should pray for the persecuted church and find other ways to bless them. And I do believe once we find the few that we can trust, the missions agencies that we can trust, I, we should give a portion of our giving there. There are many things that we do here they call missions, but it's not in accordance to go make disciples of all nations. When I say, when Jesus said, go make disciples, it means the definition of Christ of a disciple, which is what? Unless you give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. If you love father, mother more than me, you cannot be my disciple, son or daughter included. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If they do not want to be fishers of men or they do not want to proclaim the gospel, they are not disciples. We make disciples according to how Jesus defined the disciple. Not how a book or a preacher defined a disciple. What did the Holy Scripture say? What did Jesus say about that? And then it should be all ethne. All nations, all ethne. Nations in the Greek is ethne, meaning people group, language and culture. That's why in Revelations, it says every tongue, meaning every language, every tribe, literally means tribe. And there are around 24,000 tribes globally. Perhaps a thousand in China unheard of the gospel. I don't know how many tribal groups within Afghanistan, but there are many. Each of those must have a witness of Christ. We cannot just stay here and say, we're okay, we're safe. And I feel guilty studying this text and convicted by not caring enough. We just care about what's around us and we're proud to say it's missions. Some are not even missions. They don't make disciples, but they call them missions. In the General Assembly, I will say to you the areas where I am uncomfortable with that some have claimed missions, but I question it. Remember this, I am an advocate of missions, but I am a skeptical advocate. As I am skeptical of myself, I am skeptical of us, but not in a negative way, because I want to advance, but I am skeptical in the way we apply things. So hopefully we make this adjustment and our finances would not just go for church planting locally, but to go beyond beyond the seas. Now, if you want to be a missionary, you have to prove yourself here first. You must be able to disciple people in your same culture. Because how can you cross the culture when they have different customs? They have different beliefs. And then you can't even make disciples here 
And I've heard people like that. Before I was signing checks for millions in a particular church for missionaries. Not necessarily signing checks, signing the approval. But there were times I was being asked, we want to do missions in China. Okay, what are you going to do? There's this particular tribe. Okay, a tribe. They have not heard the gospel. Okay, that's a good target. Then I ask, what's the plan? We will study Mandarin and then study their language. I said, you're crazy. I said, you're crazy. You know how hard to study Mandarin and then you're going to study the tribal language. It'll take you 20 years. So I asked, have you discipled, how many have you discipled locally? And they could not answer me. I said, if I were up to me, you're not qualified. And there are many who do mission trips, but actually they're on vacation. You really want to do a mission trip in that area. Okay, tell me, what have you researched about that tribe? What are their beliefs? Tell me. Then you're going to seek for funding for missions. Again, I'm skeptical, but I'm an advocate. I want it to happen. But let's do it properly. There was somebody who was showing me his plan south of Thailand. And when I looked at the plan, I said, oh boy, this guy could get killed. You know what with his plan south of Thailand? South of Thailand is like Mindanao. He's going to give flyers and do gospel sharing publicly. <laughs> you want to die? Yeah, some areas are peaceful, but some are not. Where are you going? Have you read the Quran? Because I have heard so well to those who have been successful in reaching them, they show that Isa is the word of God. It's right there. I want to bless them, but let's do it properly. Maybe God is calling you to missions. Let's do it properly. Don't just suddenly pop up to me and say, I want to go. Uh-huh. Who, who, who did you disciple for the Lord? Let's see how committed they are. Because if you can't succeed here, why in the world will I support you going there? Why? It makes no sense. How long have you been praying for these people? How long? But if you say, Pastor Ed, my life has no meaning. I want it to mean something. So I'm going to ask you, do you want to die a martyr? If that's the help you're asking me, I know people who are good at that. We'll make you smuggle Bibles where it is illegal. And if you get caught, we deny your existence. I'm just joking. <laughs> we don't deny existence, but we don't know. Some just disappear, never to reappear again. There are people who do that. Bless the persecuted. I feel empty 
I feel convicted. I feel I didn't care. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive me. Make me accountable in the next coming weeks and months that we will actively participate in terms of reaching the lost, every ethne, and bless the persecuted believers around the world. The author said, love one another, but remember, remember the others, welcome them. Remember those in prison, you are one body. So we must express brotherly love. If you know how to make the small group work, that's how missions work. We start small groups in different locations, not big groups, because it's illegal in some parts. There's a movement in Iran right now, it's in small groups. Many are coming to Christ. In China as well, it's in small groups, undetected undetected, quick to hide the Bible, hard to detect. You want to go start small groups here? Many, and I will believe. And I'll help you cross the seas. Maybe even welcome you back. Or maybe never, but we will visit you where you are. I'd like to share to you Piece of literature, love in display. Brotherly love should continue here on earth and beyond the blue. Continuous connection in Christ, godly maturity shall rise. Do not neglect, don't disobey. Otherwise, we shall go astray. But if we are bound together, assuredly our faith grows stronger. When they come knocking at our door, the persecuted and much more, show hospitality in Christ, they could be angels in disguise. Pray for those who suffer in him. May their light never ever dim. Send support in whatever way. It shall be God's love in display. The reason to do so is love, not of our own, but from above. God designed us as one body, trinity, and community. Let's all rise. Lord, thank you for this morning. Be glorified. Be glorified in our lives. Be glorified in our families. Be glorified in our city, in our nation. Be glorified in the nations around the world. We lift up to you the suffering church in North Korea, in Pakistan, in parts of India, in Afghanistan. Protect them, Lord, as the Taliban took over. Protect those who read the Holy Scriptures. Protect those who proclaim. Yet if it is thy will, 
that they must suffer to show the faith, the resolve we have till death. Use it to speak. Let their blood speak your name. And many come to the Lord Jesus Christ. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you.